Welcome back to another edition of the Regulators Podcast. I am very, very excited to have Justin Snyder on with us once again. If this is your first time listening, my name is Waldo Waldy, and it is a pleasure to have you on here with us. And J-Man, the draft is over. It's done. What are your thoughts? Uh, the draft went you know, a little more unexpected than I thought. You know, we knew the... Uh first top two picks and then uh you know san francisco trey lance set everything for a spiral you know, i felt like the night pretty much went on like that you know a lot of uh a lot of unexpected picks you know a lot of teams you know filled needs just uh you know yeah, went a little definitely different. definitely kind of got away from us and if you missed the live draft scavaganza that we had the um the live twitter space show that we were on for like four or five hours man that was a night i took like three naps the next day but it was a lot of fun so thanks to everybody who joined on the live show, who asked us their questions. We obviously did a lot of giveaways, a lot of signed merch, and we're going to have more of that stuff coming as well. But it was a lot of fun. But you bring up you know, the draft and obviously nailing the first two picks. So everyone who's listened to our show knows that I've made grand statements about your ability to prognosticate and, and predict the draft. Last year, I think you had 10 direct hits. Daniel Jeremiah had nine, and then everybody else kind of trickled down behind that. So for years, you've been one of the best mockers out there, if not the best mock, which in my opinion uh, you are. However, this definitely was not your year. This this took a turn for the Mitch Trubisky year. Um, you were overall, when I look at it, I think from direct hits and or within one, you had six you had six picks that were either direct dead on or within one daniel jeremiah had four so daniel jeremiah did not have a great year uh this year as well and then all the way at the top coming in as a surprise this year was walter football so walter football actually had 15 hits basically almost half the draft that either he hit it dead on or he was within one and the way the draft started it actually looked like McShay was going to run away with this one. Now, granted, your draft was done uh, the Saturday before the draft. A lot of these other guys have done several different versions, and then the morning of, they released all their final ones, including McShay, including Mel Kuyper and stuff. So McShay's drastically changed the morning of the draft, so he must have got some really good information because he hit the first, I think it was seven, yeah, he hit the first seven in a row, um, but then he only hit two the rest of the entire draft. So overall, Walter Football crushed it this year, and credit where credit's due. Uh, they had J.C. Horn as the first defensive back coming off the board at number eight, was the only person to have that, uh, was also the only person to have Micah Parsons going at that slot, even though you know there was a trade at that position and the Cowboys came up. Uh, he did correctly have Micah Parsons at that slot. And then Walter Football also had Zavin Collins and had Alex Leatherwood going at that spot where the Raiders ended up. Yeah, that him. one that one was a good one. Yeah, to nail one. the Alex Leatherwood one, that, that's, that's impressive. And then uh, along with some other people also nailed the Najee Harris to Pittsburgh. But the most impressive one for me 
was the Joe Tryon to the Buccaneers at 32. To nail the last pick of the, the first round is is pretty difficult task. So hats off to Walter Football for that. If you guys uh, want some more statistics on that, I'm dropping an article this week that will cover every expert's mock and, and where they hit, where they missed, and where, even like you, J-Man, where I think you had nine picks where you correctly identified the right position that the team was going. They just selected a different player. They had somebody rated 1A, 1B, however it worked out. But we'll have all of that information up on regulatorspod.com where you guys can check it out. Um, and you know we're going to actually go through each team and go through draft by draft um, tell you what we liked kind of about each team. I think it was a very interesting draft, as you alluded to. Obviously, Trey Lance kind of started the, oh, shit, here we go. You know, it's going to be an interesting night. There was a lot of moves and a lot of things like that. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, this show is brought to you by Argyle Human Resources. If you guys are looking to make a career change, if you're looking to have your resume redone, spend a couple bucks, have it done by a professional, and you can check them out at getargyle.com. They also are on Twitter at getargyle, and they helped us in this past uh, draft thing that we did, the live show with a lot of the giveaways and things like that. So definitely go check them out. Um, but let's get into the draft and, and talk about kind of a team-by-team analysis and where we saw things. This isn't the spot for draft grades. We don't do that. Draft grades are bullshit. Uh, it's the only thing worse than mock drafts are probably draft grades. But let's go through each team and, um, you know, I'll go ahead and start. Let's, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. So the Arizona Cardinals, obviously, before the beginning of last year, there was a lot of hype surrounding Kyler Murray. And I'll admit, like, I was one of those people who I didn't really see it the year before. I was like, you know, he may be successful, but I don't understand why he was being hyped up as, as much as he was. But then he showed us. He showed us that he has the tools to get the job done. Unfortunately, the season didn't end how they would have liked it to. They started to go on a slide there towards the end of the season, and um, you know now they're looking towards 2021. So having said that, going into the draft, the one person that I talked about a lot, we talked about, you know, you had a great write-up on, was Rondell Moore. So wide receiver out of Purdue. This is someone that I really like for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, you've already got D-Hop, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. Like they, Kyler's had some weapons, but now you add a Rondale Moore. What does that do for the Arizona Cardinals? It just opens up the offense. Um, you know, he's he's going to play in the slot. You know, he's going to, uh, you know, creates good pockets. And, you know, just he gets open, right? You know, mm -hmm. um you know, Arizona likes to spread the ball around. Um, you know, he's also a good return man. Uh, you know, so just simply going to open up the offense. You know, they like to uh, they like to spread the ball around, and it uh, just gives Kyler Murray another playmaker. Yeah, so, I mean, that was definitely my favorite pick for the Cardinals. If you go through the rest of their draft, I mean, obviously, Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. They got James Wiggins, uh, a safety from Cincinnati. Um, they got Manette, the center. Uh, Wilson, the cornerback out of Florida, and they got uh, another cornerback, I think it was Tay Gowan, and uh, Victor Dimakeji, I'm probably butchering that last name, but uh, the linebacker out of Duke. So they definitely got a lot of pieces, but Rondell Moore is, is my favorite. 
And then let's flip over to the Atlanta Falcons, who had an interesting draft. A lot of people were wondering, are they going to go quarterback? You know, what are they going to do, especially with that number four pick? And uh, they didn't go quarterback, but who do you want to talk about from the Falcons side? Well, just real quick about the Falcons. So, you know, they had an opportunity to go quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you got Matt Ryan there. Um, you know, he's getting up there in age. I think he's, what, 36, 38? Um, you know, so you have an opportunity at pick four, you know, to take a quarterback to kind of build, you know, towards your future, you know, or, you know, they had the opportunity to, to work now and, you know, they chose now, you know, they took Kyle Absolutely. Pitts. Yeah, that was um, definitely a now pick. Yeah, you know, so, you know, with Kyle Pitts at tight end, um, you know, you got Julio Jones, Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Ridley. Yeah, you know, yep. so, you you know, you, you get a decent running game going, you figure that offense can be pretty scary. Um, you know, so Atlanta, you know, took the opportunity to, to build now, and you can kind of see that with some of their other picks. Um, you know, they took Richie Grant, the versatile safety from uh, UCF. Um, you know, he was a ball hawk. You know, he had 10 interceptions throughout his career. Um, you know, so it kind of helps that secondary out. They took uh, Jalen Mayfield. Yeah, you I know, know you like the Jalen Mayfield pick. Yeah, you know, he he offers a little versatility, right? Um, you know, he played right tackle at Michigan. You know, Atlanta has a uh, an opening at left guard. Uh, so he's probably going to be a plug-and-play starter. Uh, at left guard with the opportunity to be able to move out the tackle and and um, you know they took uh, you know you got a couple of defensive linemen here you got a defense tackle defensive end um, from Texas Notre Dame Ogunbaji is a good player they got in the fifth round um, then they got another wide receiver from Arizona State Frank Darby you know so they got a couple of nice pieces here you know they did help the offense you know like we talked about with tackle and uh and Pitts from Florida. Yeah, but I agree with you. Definitely uh, a win-now situation type of mindset, um, which is interesting because they have a you know brand-new coach, brand-new GM, um, but that's that's good. They're, they're basically saying, listen, this is not going to be a typical rebuild where we're going to have to scrap it from uh, ground zero and, and try to rebuild everything. But you brought up wide receivers, so let's switch over to the Baltimore Ravens. There was a lot of talk about needing to add some weapons for um, – Lamar and they did that with Rashad Bateman I think you know that was a great pick Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota was being touted as a great wide receiver pick wherever he was gonna land and then they also got another wide receiver in Tylen Wallace so they definitely saw some opportunities to add at the offensive skill position they even added a fullback with Ben Mason out of Michigan so it'll be interesting to see how they use him and then the picks that I really liked was in the secondary so they took Brandon Stevens out of SMU, and they took Sean Wade, the cornerback out of Ohio State. Now, Sean Wade, if I remember correctly, was originally a slot corner. Yeah, so he played behind uh, Jeff Fukuda, who is now with the Lions, and Damon Arnett, who is now with the Raiders. Uh, Sean Wade was the slot corner, you know, so he was the third corner. You know, so doing what he did, you know, coming into the— you know, this year, you know, he had first round projections based on what he did in the slot. Um, you know, then with Arnett and um, Akuda gone, you know, he covered the outside. And to put it mildly, I mean, he just got slaughtered. Um, and that plummeted his, you know, his uh, draft grade. Yeah, you know, Devonta but, Smith had a little bit to do with that. For sure. You know, so what this does off of the Ravens, you know, 
you know, in this in this league, slot corners are valuable. You know, we talked Absolutely. about you know we talked about how teams you know utilize um, you know three corners you know more than any other defensive package. And if you can find a great slot corner, which you know Sean Wade offers that, and you get that in the fifth round, I mean it's it's a good pick. And it's crazy because you know we we've talked about previously on the show those slides, right? Where you said he was maybe graded as a first round corner the year before playing in the slot. And then the Ravens end up picking him up uh, in the fifth round, 160 overall. So tremendous value if you know that is the plan for the Ravens and they think that he's got a good natural fit there. Or perhaps they can grow him into something else. But let's stick with uh, the defensive conversation and talk about the Buffalo Bills. I know there was one pick in particular that you really liked with the Bills. Yeah, they took Gregor Rousseau, the uh, defensive end from Miami. You know it. Uh, yeah, you know, heading into the uh, you know heading into the year, you know there are great expectations for him. Obviously, he opted out, mm-hmm. and uh, you know allowed a couple other guys on the U who we'll talk about later to uh, you know to move up the draft board. Um, you know, but to get him in in the late first, you know, when he was easily projected in that ten fifteen range, you know, you get a six foot seven, two hundred sixty five pound defensive end. Um, who was second in the nation's in sacks behind only Chase, Chase Young. Young yeah. yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, so for Buffalo, who really didn't have um, many needs, you know, they can go out and, and basically, you know, find players to fit and their skin. And isn't that a sexy thing for Bills fans to hear? I mean, for the longest time, you know, you start with your quarterback, where that was that was the biggest need that you had, and then everything else around them. But now you see what they're starting to do in Buffalo and they're starting to put the pieces together and the coaching is is done well. They they go get a Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen has cemented himself as the franchise guy and now you get to do that. You get to see, all right, what sexy player is gonna fall down to us in the later half of these rounds and then you take a BPA and you get someone like Gregory Rousseau, like you said, who if he's even a shadow of his former self from a couple years ago, then this is a dynamic uh, selection for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, you know, so for Buffalo, you know, they have Jerry Hughes as a pass rusher, um, you know, and they just wanted to, you know, you know, get more sacks, get more production from, uh, you know, from their ends, you know, so they were able to take a Gregor or so, but they were also, you know, able to take a, a Carlos Boogie Basham from, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Wake, Wake Forest, Forest yeah. you know, so you, you solidify that defensive end position, you get younger, uh, and, you know, you're able to build around these guys. And, you know, one of these guys is going to start, you know, opposite Jerry Hughes. And, you know, Buffalo is going to get a little bit better out of position. That, And then you start to develop that depth, which we've talked about the importance of that is, you know, you can't be a team where when your D tackle goes down or when a tight end or a lineman goes down, the drop off is so far. You always got to have those next guys in the pipeline. Absolutely. So um, speaking about building the pipeline, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. So the Carolina Panthers went D-tackle, and they were able to select, you know, you got to help me with this first name again, Um, Davion, is that that how you say it? Oh, Davion Nixon. Yeah, Yeah. Davion Nixon. So I thought this was great because they... In the fifth round. Yeah, in the fifth round, but they took Derrick Brown last year with their first pick, Mm -hmm. and they're continuing to build that defensive tackle room and understand that they need... You know, stout guys on that line, but they also let's not pass up the opportunity to develop some guys behind that. So yeah, I think with Derek Brown and Davion Nixon, I mean that's you know the two straight years of you know taking two quality defensive tackles. I like what Carolina did up and down this draft. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you talk about... I, I was surprised to see She Smith uh, fall to the sixth round. Yeah, you know, he was talked about, you know, as a receiver that, you know, could have been gone in the uh, third or fourth. Um, you know, great route runner, you know, has the ability to, uh, to separate underneath. And, you know, a lot of these smaller receivers, you know, I think uh, well, eight out of the ten receivers were all under 200 pounds that were taken in the first. I mean, you know, so these these smaller, quicker receivers, you know, in today's NFL are, you know, starting to create more of a demand. And, you know, we, we thought She Smith was one of them that would be able to do that. And, you know, he great value for a receiver, you know, in the sixth round, you know, for Carolina to go get him and, you know, to get somebody in their own state. Yep, and they also added Terrace Marshall Jr. in the second round, so another wide receiver there. And he's one of these big bodies, 6'3", 205, uh, you know, a, a solid X receiver. You know, so, it, you know, obviously some versatility in the wide receiver room. And, uh, you know, they, they took J.C. Horn. He was, you know, we had Patrick Sertan um, right. ranked ahead of him, but, mm-hmm. you know, they liked what they saw from J.C. Horn, and, uh, they made him the first corner off the board. And my fa- my favorite story is the Thomas Fletcher story. So Thomas Fletcher is a long snapper uh, that was drafted in the sixth round by the Panthers. And it was funny because uh, they called him and they said, you know, he picked up the phone. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, and he's like, hey, are, are you coming or not? And this was, uh, you know, Matt Rule was on the phone with him. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm trying to see. I'm tr-. He's like, no, what do you mean? We just drafted you. And he's like, what? He's like, we just drafted you. You know, and he's like, and it was, it was a really funny story. Like, to if, if you watch the video, obviously I'm not doing it much justice. But uh, it was a funny conversation between the two of them. So shout out to the long snappers that got drafted. There was, there was a few of them in this draft. But uh, I like the Thomas Fletcher pickup. That was nice. But um, let's transition to the Chicago Bears. You know, we talk about the shakeup in the draft, and we had talked about all along, nobody was buying, I don't think we were the only ones, not buying the QB1 bullshit that was being spewed around. So the Bears go ahead and make their move. They swap up, you know, with the Giants. and Well, they- the reason for that was the, the Bears had a long way to go, right? Yeah. You know, to move all the way up from 20... 20- so first off, what needed to happen was a couple of quarterbacks needed to, to drop, right? Yep. You know, so so once that started, once once Fields started to drop and once Jones started to drop, you know, it, it created an opportunity for teams to, you know, like Washington, you know, they were looking at quarterbacks. Chicago, you know, New England obviously took uh, took Jones at fifteen, you know. So when Fields got to you know that nine, ten, eleven range. You know, Chicago started making phone calls, seeing what it would take to get up. And obviously, you know, they made a trade to get up to um, 11. number 11 yeah. to, uh, you know, to take Justin Fields. You know, Chicago feels they were only a quarterback away. Um, you yeah, know. and I mean, I remember the, the Bears fans talking about, all. you know, we put these polls out and we say, who are you slamming the table for? Who would you like your team to get? And they were like, well, you know, Justin Fields, but he's way too far up. He's going to go at number three and et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, they, they had to be ecstatic. And we did see some of the feedback live on draft night. Obviously, Bears fans were celebrating, as they should. Um, it's it's time to move on from the Mitch Trubisky situation. And obviously, Nick Foles' experiment hasn't worked out. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for Bears fans. I, I'm excited to see how Justin Fields plays out. Um, I think he's in a great situation, right? Yeah. You know, so you got Andy Dalton there. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, so it's a it's a great mentor type situation. And we're gonna see. We're gonna see the difference between you know that I was saying before that the Bengals should have kept Andy Dalton. They should have kept him. I mean, Joe Burrow might have never been injured, and you know he might have just picked up a few things uh, from the wily veteran in Andy Dalton. So Justin Fields will have a great opportunity. Doesn't mean that Andy Dalton is gonna have the reins and you know just be able to go out for and, sure but and, to your point if you put Andy Dalton behind that line instead of Joe Burrow exactly yeah you know I agree with you if you know you're not going to the and you playoffs. probably would have weighed your options more like if you see him back there getting killed every single drive you're probably not like rushing Joe Burrow to get into that huddle absolutely um, so but to that point yeah so Justin Fields is in a good situation right so he's not going to you know, one of the top two teams, you know, like the Jets in Jacksonville, where, you know, it's a complete rebuild. You know, he's going to a yeah. team that has a solid foundation. Yeah, they started 5-0 and last year. Absolutely. You know, they have great offensive pieces. They have a solid defense. Um, you know, and they felt like they were just a quarterback away from, you know, being a contender. And, you know, Justin Fields is, you know. And like he, you said, he's going to a better situation because he is – not going to have to be running for his life on every Absolutely. single play. And that makes a perfect transition into the next team, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. So I, for one, you know, thought that the Bengals got better during this draft. However, I was not a huge fan of the Jamar Chase pick for obvious reasons that we talked about. Um, they just had much better needs. And when you talk about the tackles that were there left on the board... Um, but I do want to talk about the linemen that they did take. So in the second and fourth round, uh, they took Jackson Carmen from Clemson, and they took Deontay Smith from East Carolina. So they, they did at least you know attempt to uh, address their needs. They did also take a center, Trey Hill, from Georgia in the sixth round. Um, I wish they would have you know pushed those guys a little bit further up the board. I think there was talent for them. They obviously felt that despite of how good of a wide receiver room they had, Jamar Chase was just too good of a deal to pass up. And obviously, I'm sure the relationship with Joe Burrow, you know, kind of weighed in on that as well. But, you know, those are the offensive linemen that they did take. And it'll be interesting to see how those guys develop. And I think um, Carmen definitely is someone that they're going to push into the lineup sooner rather than later. And we'll have to see with Smith. Yeah, so Carmen, you know, he played left tackle for Clemson. Um, not an ideal position in the NFL for him. Um, you know, he's got short arms, you know, and obviously, you know, longer arms for an offensive tackle is more ideal. So they'll probably push him into guard. Um, you know, we know Cincinnati has some options at tackle, but, you know, guard, they definitely can use some help right now. So they'll push Carmen into guard, you know, with, you know, maybe an opportunity to slide out to tackle later. Um, you know, we did talk about, you know, offensive line being a huge need for them. We were surprised they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we should say a little surprised they didn't take Sewell. You know, there was the Jamar Chase talk for a while. Yeah, I mean, J- Jamar Chase is, is a huge talent, so it's not like they took some scrub instead of an offensive lineman. It was just, you know... You could have felt the need was more did. for an offensive line, you know, offensive uh, offensive lineman than uh, than for wide receiver so, when you already have Boyd and uh, Higgins there. So speaking about a surprise that maybe didn't fit a need, let's talk about the Browns. I know you wanted to talk about their running back room. So obviously, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, like, the Browns run the football better than anybody. As a matter of fact, their offensive line has the best grades of anybody in the NFL. 
And, you know, even though their running back room is so great, they took Demetric Felton from UCLA. Yeah, so this is a guy who lined up at running back and receiver um, at UCLA. He also returned kicks, so he's kind of an all-around weapon. You know, he is on the smaller side, um, you know, 5'9", 190. Um, you know, not a burner, but just an all-around offensive weapon, right? Um, you know, like we said, can catch the ball out of the backfield, can do a lot of these gimmick plays. You know, so someone who in today's NFL with the type of, uh, you know, offenses that are, you know, being ran, you know, I think he's got an opportunity. The one pick that I thought was uh, interesting was Owosu Koromoa from Notre Dame mm-hmm. dropping. Um, you know, we hear now that it was a heart condition um, that yeah, dropped him scary. out of the first round. For sure, you know, so it, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, they also got Anthony Schwartz from the wide receiver from Auburn, who is just an absolute burner. Um, James Hudson, the uh, offensive tackle from from Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah. You know, so he's a big mauler, right? Six five, three ten. And I love that. I love that the Browns are kind of sticking with you know their their mood, their personality. You know, this is this is who we are. We're gonna ram it down your throat. You know, we're gonna have guys that can just run you over and and we're going to be uh, a nightmare to deal with you know all game long so we're going to give you a tough 60 minutes um, but let's talk about a team that maybe wasn't giving people a tough 60 minutes at least on one side of the ball and that's the Dallas Cowboys so the Dallas Cowboys actually set a record this year by the most consecutive picks on one side of the ball so they went I think the first seven picks in a row were all defensive um, and they needed it. The defense, you know, I'm sorry, Cowboys fans, but you know, like was kind of hot trash last year. And Jerry said, not on my watch. This shit isn't going down again. We, you know, we're going to part ways with Mike Nolan. We're going to bring in somebody new and we are going to address the ball because we believe in Dak. We believe in the weapons that we have. We went out and we put some talent around him. Zeke is going to be ready to go. And we just need someone who can keep the defense under three touchdowns because we know Dak is going to score four. Like that's That really was the mindset with this draft. And we know that uh, the Cowboys you know, came up and got Micah Parsons, but they also got Jabril Cox. Um, I like him. In the fourth round, 115th pick overall, um, you know, he was a three-time FCS champion. From North Dakota State. Yep, and uh, he also won the MVFC Defensive Player of the Year in 2018 before he transferred to LSU. Um, so so in the linebacker room, right? Sure. You know, you're bringing in a Micah Parsons. You get a Jabril Cox, who, like we said, played for North Dakota State for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good guy in zone coverage. You know, can match up against tight ends. Um, you know, Flash is good pass rush, you know, 6'3", 230, so good size. So you, you get two solid linebackers to get into that defensive room. Um, you know, you take two cornerbacks, one in the second, one in the third. You get Calvin Joseph from Kentucky, uh, yeah. Nashawn Wright from Oregon State. You know, it corner, was, corner. It was fun to watch. I mean, it was it was a fire sale. Like, if you're a Cowboys fan, like, you've got to be happy. I mean, you can't, you, you can't sit there and say they didn't address the defense. I mean, they, they went ham on this. Yeah, you know, you get uh, Adoga Wooza, the defensive tackle from uh, UCLA. You know, so you get two you get two defense linemen, you get two linebackers, you get two cornerbacks. You're basically filling one side of uh, one side of the ball there, and that's what the Cowboys did in fixing that defense. Yeah, and then let's switch over and talk about offense a little bit. The Denver Broncos, 
everybody was you know unsure what they were going to do at quarterback situation uh, how that was going to work out obviously we know the the Teddy Bridgewater thing which you know we talked about for months call them up put Teddy on a plane let's go um, but Denver Denver got a little bit sneaky in the second round um, with the third pick you know 35 overall I see you shaking your head in derision over there they traded up one spot in front of the Miami Dolphins to select none other than Javante Williams the running back out of North Carolina so how do you feel <sighs> You know, we can say all we want. That You're in a safe space. It's okay. You're yeah. among friends. We could say Javon Holland was always going to be the pick, but, you know, that's a lie. You know, Javante Williams was there at 36, and it fucking hurt. It, it hurts, you know. It, it, you know, so Denver jumped up, and they got a damn good running back. You know, they yeah. really did. And I like Denver's draft, right? I mean, they got the number one corner overall in Patrick Sertan. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know J.C. Horn went ahead of him, but... You know, Patrick Sertan was the best corner. And then they picked up Aaron Robinson in the third, you know, so they, got another DB, UCF. They, and they got they got Jamar Johnson, the safety from uh, Indiana, who I like, and they got Caden Stearns, Stearns from Texas. Yeah, safety yeah. from Texas, yeah. You so know? this is another, you know, hey, we're going to go into our secondary. You know, this is, you know, even Kerry Vincent Jr., you know, cornerback out of LSU in the seventh, so... And Quinn Minerns, the, the offensive guard from Wisconsin Whitewater, I do. I really like Denver's draft. I really do. I think, uh, I think they did good. And, and I, I love that. I love when there's a theme to the draft where mm-hmm. you can see kind of the strategy, and it's like, hey, next year we'll worry about something else, or we already feel, con- but this is a this is a need. This is what we're gonna do, and and we're gonna make it happen. So somebody who kind of fits into that narrative is Dan Campbell. You know, they're up there biting kneecaps off in Detroit. So a couple of picks that fit that narrative is the second and third round picks for the Lions um, with uh, both of them ending up being D-tackle. So you've got Levi Anwazirike, or however you pronounce that. I'm sure I'm butchering it, Um, but I'll get it. I'll get it over time. But we talked about him heading into the draft. Um, Doesn't mean I can say his name, though. Uh, and uh, McNeil uh, from North Carolina State. So a couple of big bodies that are going to fit well on that defensive line and that I'm sure, you know, coach is ready to see them bite kneecaps off people. Yeah, they also got, you know, with their first pick, I mean, to have Panay Sewell drop to seven, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's just, that's a building that's block. That's a gimme. That's a, yeah, absolutely. You know, so. You nailed it. You building know, block. you could have thought Detroit was going to look at quarterback um, you know, but when Panay Soul drops you and, and you can start building your foundation around a solid left tackle, you know, you take that. Then you talked about the two defense alignments. So Dan Campbell started inside the trenches. Uh, you know, they, they did need wide receiver help with losing, um, with Galladay mm-hmm. and, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. You know, they got Amaron St. Brown from USC uh, they got a running back, Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State. You know, so there's a couple of nice pieces there. Um, you know, they had no fifth or sixth round picks. You know, you know, so for what they did, you know, they started in the trenches, started on the inside, and building out. And I think that's yeah, the way so, Dan I mean, Campbell wants to do gonna it. It's going to be a process with the Lions, but you got to like what they walked away from uh, under Dan Campbell's first draft uh, and Brad Holmes, obviously. So let's talk about another team you mentioned. You know, quarterback. Uh, here's a team that didn't need a quarterback because they already addressed it last year the Green Bay Packers so they have Aaron Rodgers reigning MVP 
There's obviously a lot of drama surrounding him right now and whether he's going to be a Packer. They got Jordan Love on standby if, God forbid, they're unable to bring him back. But, you know, you like the Eric Stokes pick uh, from Georgia. Obviously, you know, first-round pick, it's been forever. As long as Aaron Rodgers has been there, they haven't taken offensive skill position. Um, they still stuck with that, even with all the drama going on, and they took cornerback. But tell me why you like this pick. Yeah, Eric Stokes, 6'1", you know, 194 pounds. You know, it was between him and Tyson Campbell, who was going to be the first uh, Georgia cornerback taken off the board. Uh, Eric Stokes had a, you know, a phenomenal pro day. Um, you know, has that 4-3 speed. Uh, you know, good, solid press corner. You know, he's got good length, but it's his top-end speed. Um, you know, he's also a good punt returner. I think he had two punt returns or two kickoff returns for, for touchdowns. Um, you know, he gets a little too physical. Um, you know, it's going to have to work on that as far as the contact. You know, he won't be able to get away with that at the NFL. Um, you know, but a good corner. Uh, they got Josh Myers, the center from Ohio State, uh, in the second round. You know, we talked about centers being, you know, one of the positions that, you know, you tend to hit on a lot more than others. Um, and then they finally went wide receiver in the uh, third round when they picked up uh, Amari Rodgers from Clemson. Um, you know, yeah, and some people thought, you know, oh, maybe that's, you know, an appeasement to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, to grab him there in the third round, 85th overall, I don't think that was any kind of stretch. I don't think that that's, you know, something they were doing to appease Aaron, because if so, they would have made a different pick in the first or the second round. Um, but yeah, I, I like that pick. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's a situation where, you know, you had good value there and, um you know, he's going to be a good fit for Aaron Rodgers if, you know, he is the, yeah. uh, if he is the, and speaking uh, the of another there. team that has some controversy surrounding their quarterback, you know, the Houston Texans. So we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson and the, and the legal case until that all sorts its way out. Um, but they, they picked up Davis Mills and I think this was a great pick. It can act as a long-term insurance policy, right? Um, third round out of Stanford, but you were one of the first people that I heard uh, as the draft got closer talking about Davis Mills, talking about how he was somebody you had your eye on in the draft to see kind of where he went because you think he's got potential. Yeah, you know, he he was a big five-star prospect coming out of high school. Um, fortunately, you know, things in college didn't work out for him. You know, he only started 11 games. Um, you know, it just needs to be more consistent with decision making but you know it, it's easy to pick out flaws when you've only started 11 games mm-hmm. um you know he does have a, you know a good skill set you know a 6'4 215 so he's got that prototypical size um you know has a good arm and and Houston had to make this pick right I mean you don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson um and you don't want to get stuck and you don't want to get caught you know so they took a chance on the Davis Mills in the third round um, and then later in the third, you know, you picked up Nico Collins. We talked about him, you know, the big receiver from Michigan, you know, so it gives you another, you know, a solid receiver. They lost Will Fuller in free agency. Um, and then in the fifth round, they were able to get a, a Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami, uh, you know, 6'3", good size, not, not a great blocker, um, but somebody you could line up, you know, in line, out line, um, you know, can move around, catch the ball. Uh, you know, so w- when you only have, you know, five picks and, you know, your your future has been sold already for, 
um, you know, other players yeah. down the line. You know, so unfortunately for this regime coming in, you know, it wasn't a good start. Um, yeah, I mean, there were there were several teams who picked three or four times before the Texans had even one pick. For in this sure, draft. you know, so, so it's easy to give this draft I, a bad grade, I, right? I, I think. I mean, we don't do grades, so we don't have to worry about that. But I think that's what's even more telling about this pick is this was the first pick that the Texans had in this draft, mm-hmm. and they went quarterback. Yeah. Like, I feel like you know you have very limited amount of picks. You only have five picks in the entire draft. Your first one comes after everybody's taken a bunch of talent, and you go quarterback. I think that's telling. I think, you know, they, at the very least, are 50-50 on whether or not um, Deshaun Watson they don't is, is going to be I, Yeah, I don't think. And, and, and it might not even be a legal matter thing. It might just be... No, we truly believe that under any circumstances, he is not coming to play for us. Mm-hmm. He is upset, and, and he's not going to play with us. Um, but let's let's stick with quarterback and talk about the Indianapolis Colts. So they actually used a comp pick that they got um, by way of the Saints. Um, and, and they took Sam They out. took Sam Ellinger, yeah. quarterback out of Texas. You know, so once you got past the top five... And, you know, you started getting into, you know, your Davis Mills, um, your Trous from Florida, your Kellen Mond. After that, it was kind of a who's who, right? You know, you had Ellinger from um, from Texas, and then you get into your Ian Books and your Jamie Newman. So it's basically just, a, you know, like a developmental quarterback, and that's what that's what they got here. You know, a little on the shorter side, um, you know, 6'1". You know, in, in that nine to twelve overall range as far as quarterbacks go, um, you know, but he does have, you know, he is fearless, right? He has good pocket presence, um, you know, and does does a good job with his pre-snap reads and knows where he wants to go. And Frank Wright will be able to uh, get his his claws into him and and sit him behind Carson and just you know let that entire process play absolutely out. and and Frank Wright knows how you know knows how that goes Frank Wright a former third round pick himself um you know was a career backup and you know can kind of you know show this Ellinger that uh you know there is an opportunity and you know if he ever does get in the game you know we know what Frank Wright did uh for Buffalo in the in the playoffs I believe it was it was against Houston right when uh he led that uh largest comeback in playoff history you know so it's you know it's a good opportunity for him there you know the one unfortunate thing I feel about uh Sam Ellinger I didn't even know this till this morning I I was doing some some show prep but uh his younger brother passed away this past week um he was a linebacker at Texas uh Jake Ellinger and did hear about that you know unfortunately so they were trying to fly him home uh to spend time with the family but uh you know thoughts and prayers obviously out to the family. And, and then, uh, you know, one last thing on Indy. You know, they got a solid pass rusher in Quiddy Pay. Um, you yeah. know, these, these pass rush grades, they were kind of all over the place, right? You know, you had you had uh, Gregor Rousseau up there. You had uh, Quiddy Pay. You had Jalen Phillips. You know, it was always these top three or four yeah, guys. Even, even among the mocks, like, everybody was kind of divided on, on where yeah, they had you know, guys so, sitting. And like we said, we don't do draft grades. You don't do draft grades until after year three, after year four. Exactly. You know, so we're going to see how it all plays out with these guys. Um, you know, another one is Oway that went to Baltimore. You know, and, and, and that's something we should do. Maybe in one of these next upcoming episodes, especially as the summer, we know it kind of lulls a little bit while we're waiting on news and there's just mini camps and stuff going on. We should do some like, you know, four or five year out, you know, draft grades. Go back and revisit 
every single team, you know, for just like we'll pick a random draft, you know, we'll say 2013 or something, and we'll just go through and, and try to analyze who's still on the team, who, you know, became, uh, you know, all pro, et cetera, et cetera. I think that might be something fun to do. Yeah, and I think we know that a lot of the quarterbacks won't be on the same teams, yeah, obviously, right? That's for damn sure. Um, but let's talk about a team that got what they hope is their quarterback for the future and, and who's going to be around for quite some time, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence, obviously, with the number one overall pick. That wasn't really a surprise to anybody. The Travis Etienne pick, for me, wasn't the person that I would have picked. Obviously, I'm not a GM. I just have a podcast. But, but you just didn't feel running back was a need there, yeah. right? You know, I mean, when especially you, after James Robinson. Undrafted gold, right? Undrafted free agent and had the most uh, yards by an undrafted free agent ever uh, as a rookie. And, you know, you felt like there were so many other needs there. I do like the Tyson Campbell pick uh, at the top of the second round, 33rd overall from Georgia. Yeah, so, you know, we, we talked earlier, it was between him, him and Stokes as far as who's going to be the top cornerback. Obviously, Campbell went second. Um, you know, Tyson Campbell, Patrick Sertan, they both played uh, in South Florida at American Heritage High School. You know, so they were both five-star prep talents. You know, one went to Georgia, obviously, one went to Alabama. And, uh, you know, we saw where Patrick Sertan got drafted, and this, were, this is where Campbell went to, uh, first pick in the second round. You know, so we like what Jacksonville did in their secondary. For sure. Um, and, and they had nine picks in this draft, and they've got a slew of picks coming up. They've got free agent money to spend. They had the most going into this offseason. So Jacksonville is going to have the opportunity to build it, and they have an embarrassment of riches. So if they miss on a guy here or there, or they take a running back when they don't need one, you know, they're, they're kind of allowed that luxury right now. Uh, until they prove they don't deserve that responsibility. So, and then, you know, hats you know, off to Duval and you, you know. know, one other pick that I do like that, you know, besides the Tyson Campbell pick, you know, Jacksonville needed to rebuild their secondary. They got Andrew Cisco um from, from Syracuse. Syracuse yeah. yeah, you know, he had twelve picks Good from two thousand eighteen to nineteen. They also got Walker Little, right? You know, we talked about him at tackle. Um, you know, it injuries and Stanford have, lineman, man. I for I, sure I love a Stanford lineman. Guy six seven, three thirteen you know, the only, you know, his major problem is injuries, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, he opted out of 2020, uh, didn't play since week one in 2019 because of a knee injury. You know, so this guy hasn't played in two years. You know, so he's got some work ahead of him. But obviously Jacksonville felt comfortable enough taking him in the second round that they, you know, they, they, they like the the talent that, that, that is there. And, you know, we'll see how that pans out for him. Yeah, and you bring up injuries. You know, the injuries for the offensive line on the Kansas City Chiefs was definitely something that some argue might have kiboshed their entire season. So they needed to address some things. Obviously, they go out and they get Creed Humphrey, which some people have slated as both a center and a guard uh, from Oklahoma in the second round. And then later on in the draft, they end up picking up a guard in, in Trey Smith. Do you think they still need more on the offensive line, or do you see, you know, Duvernay coming back and people getting healthier and yeah, and I mean after kinda... the trade with Baltimore, um, you know you got to feel they got that left yeah. tackle sit, uh, position taken care of. I do like the Creed Humphrey at center. Um, you know, I, they... I thought the Nick Bolton pick, the linebacker out of Missouri. I think you know that that was definitely a good pick for them. Um, yeah, we know Kansas City obviously right didn't have a first round pick because of the trade with Baltimore. You know, so they right. felt that they got good value. 
um, you know, getting their tackle position squared away. And then you do bring in a Nick Bolton from, uh, you know, from Missouri. You know, obviously Kansas City had a lot of opportunities to go out and see him, um, you know, being so close. And, you know, they took a guy close to home that they like. Um, we, you know, we lost, they lost Damian Wilson, one of their top, top linebackers to free agency, you know, so, you know, Bolton's probably going to come in and immediately claim one of the, uh, starting positions there. Yeah. And, that's the hope at least. And, you know, let's, let's keep talking about linebackers because, you know, you and I both talked about it. My favorite name in the entire draft is divine Diablo. So he gets picked by the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, linebacker out of Virginia Tech, and for those people who don't know, obviously Diablo is you know Spanish for devil. Um, it, it has different meanings in different languages. So his parents gave him the first name Divine to kind of offset that uh, the last name. But it's just such a cool name, Divine Diablo. Just sounds like you know a, a, a fictitious you know <laughs> sports movie character like. You know, oh, the linebacker, Divine Diablo, you know, out of Virginia Tech. So it just, I, I love the name. And we talked about the Raiders last year. Fundamentals was something the Raiders were very bad at last year. They had one of the highest missed tackle percentage in the league. And the defense was just time after time letting that team down. And before, um, before, God, I'm having a, a, a brain fart right now. Um, Derek Carr, sorry, yes. God, I had su- I had such a brain fart there. But uh, before Derek Carr went down, you know, and got injured, he was having a lights out year. I mean, mm-hmm. this was this was his, you know, see, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. And then all of a sudden, he got injured, and rumors start to speculate about him being trade bait and some other things going on. Um, but the defense was really the thing that uh, they needed to address. Yeah, and so the Raiders took three safeties, right? Yeah, I mean, to got, get to get Trayvon Moreg in the second round, I mean, I think that's a that was a steal. Yeah, he was projected uh, first round by, by a lot of the mocks. Um, so Nate you, Hobbs. Yeah, you shore up that safety room, right? You get a Nate Hobbs from Illinois at corner. Um, but the, the pick that struck us all, right, was the Alex Leatherwood pick from... You know, from Alabama at pick 17, you felt like you had other guard, other excuse me, other tackles on the board. Um, and surprisingly, it, the only person it didn't catch by surprise was Walter Football. So Walter Football, yeah, I'm not, correct, yeah. correctly nailed that one. Um, but you know, I give credit where credits due. So yeah, you know, but you know, the Raiders always go against conventional wisdom. You know, so we'll see how this plays out for them. Um, you know, Alex Leatherwood. You know. You know, a, a a big tackle, six five, three hundred and ten pounds. You know, played for Alabama. Um, you know, he was a starting guard. You know, so he's got you know a little versatility there. Can play guard, can play outside. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it uh, how it plays out for him. Yeah, and and Mayock said, yeah, he hears your concerns and he doesn't care. Yeah. Like literally, that was verbatim, practically a quote. Um, but you know, a tackle that people were a lot higher on was Rashawn Slater with the LA Chargers. So I think that was a great pick. Obviously you gotta protect your young quarterback if Cincinnati has taught us anything that we all probably thought we knew already. Um, protect your young quarterback. Yeah, so we knew the Chargers were gonna go offensive lineman here, right? And when Panay Soul dropped to the Lions at seven, I think they felt a lot more comfortable 
uh, once Carolina at eight didn't take Slater, that they were going to be able to get him at thirteen. You know, just great value, right? I mean, he was and a there top. was yeah, there was talk about him going at five. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, so you know, so the Chargers got great value here, and then another pick that I loved was Asante Samuel Jr., the cornerback from Florida State. Yep. Uh, you know, they got him in in the second round. Um, and they had an overall, you know, uh, solid draft. Um, I like Chris Rumpf, the outside linebacker from Duke. Uh, you know, so they got some nice pieces here. And obviously trying to replace uh, Hunter Henry, they took Trey McKitty in, uh, I think it was the third round from Georgia, the tight end. So that's obviously some big shoes to fill there. Yeah, he's more of a, a, a pass-catching tight end, you know, so, you know, it's, you know, 6'5", 245, you know, so it gives Justin Herbert another... Uh, Another big target, um, you know. And, and let's let's talk about another team that plays in that same stadium, which is hosting the Super Bowl this year, SoFi Stadium out there, and that's uh, the Los Angeles Rams. I know we had one episode a few weeks back where I couldn't uh, discern between the Rams and the Chargers and who is the coach of, of what. I might have been intoxicated. I might not. I don't know. So well, the Rams didn't have a first round pick, right? You know, and we know yes. they needed a, you know, they wanted to get a playmaker and they got one in Tutu Outwell. You know, we spoke earlier about these smaller receivers, um, you know, who are just lightning quick. Yeah, he was great at Louisville. Yeah, so Tutu Outwell is what, 5'9". He's 155 pounds, um, you know, soaking wet. You know, but he is a deep threat playmaker that they obviously need. And, you know, with them having, you know, Matthew Stafford now, who's oh able to God. get the ball down the field. Um, you and you've got Cooper Cup. And for you've sure. got Sean McVay, which, you know, for all the jokes everyone makes, we know how he runs his offense. We know those quick screens, the bubble screen. We know the misdirection, how he likes to set those things up. But you up. need to stretch a defense. Yeah, absolutely. And with Tutu Outwell, they're going to... you go- need to stop using Cooper Cup as your leading fucking blocker, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll die on this hill. You hear me, Sean McVay? I'm, I'm talking directly to you. Um, but yeah, and, you know, you talk about wide receivers... You know, one team that definitely feels that they got, you know, their their wide receiver, their their number one guy who's going to really open things up for their young quarterback is the Miami Dolphins. So they took Jalen Waddle. Obviously, he has the previous connection with Tua from their time at Alabama. Um, but the Miami Dolphins all up and down the board. You really got to love this draft. They got Jalen Phillips, the defensive end out of Miami who took over for Gregory Rousseau when he opted out. Um, but the pick that I really like, you know, and I mean, there's a lot here that you can go after, but the one that I really like is Hunter Long, the tight end out of Boston College. So we know that they have Mike Gesicki, who, for my money, I think is going to be, you know, I don't want to make comparisons and say certain names because I'll get dragged on Twitter, but I think this guy is the guy, and in the next couple years, Mike Gesicki is going to be a household name everywhere. Um, but having said that, he is in the last year of his contract. And Durham Smith is and, also. And Durham Smith is as well. Um, so that tight end room is is not currently there for very long. So this is a great insurance policy for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I'm sure that this isn't them trying to say they're not trying to extend Gusecki or any of those guys. No, but it gives them it gives them, gives them options. Yeah, you know, so the tight end position is one of the hardest we know uh, from coming into college yeah. to pro. Um, you know, so you get a Hunter Long who actually led the FBS in catches last year. Um, you know, so that that's interesting that it wasn't you know it wasn't Pitts. You know, so this guy does know how to you know you know get the ball. 
Um, he's a good route runner. And it gives him an opportunity to, to ease him in, right? Of course. You, you have your pass-catching tight end. You have your blocking tight end. You also have Adam Shaheen there. You know, so Hunter Long can kind of come in, ease his way in. Yeah, he, and then, might, he might be that guy that, you know, week six, week seven, he comes in for a drive and all of a sudden people are like, whoa, who's this guy? For sure. You know, so definitely, as you talked about, you know, we've talked about depth and positions where you can have someone learn and, and go at their own pace. And the picks up up and down this board, I mean, Javon Holland getting him, you know, the safety where they, they feel he's versatile. They think he's going to be what they had hoped a Minka Fitzpatrick would be. And Minka allegedly wasn't on board for how they wanted to yeah, use Yeah, to play him. a slot. He could play um, slot corner. He could play deep safety. He could play in the box. You know, someone you can kind of move around. And that's what, you know, we're looking for in Javon Holland. Then you get Liam Eichenberg, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. We know my, uh, you know, the Dolphins wanted to keep building that offensive line. You know, so it gives him an opportunity to possibly come in at right tackle, uh, leave Austin Jackson over at left. Um, you know, we have an opportunity to do things with the guards that we have. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll figure that out through camp. You see a lot of times through training camp where they play someone at guard or they move someone around, they let them take snaps, they see how they develop, and then they change their mind or they stay with it. or they, they You're basically trying to find the five guys that as an average, as a unit, are playing the best together. So you might have a guy who maybe he plays guard better than he plays tackle, but at the same time, when he does it with the other four guys, the overall unit isn't as good as if he plays tackle and the other guys slot in somewhere else. So it's 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 interesting, you know, as you move those pieces around to figure out the best five together as a unit. That's always kind of your goal. Which you know, is- but I do like what the Dolphins are doing with the offense line. You know, we talked about versatility. We talked about flexibility. We talked about depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we know we took Skura, the center. You know, he's in yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore. You also got Dieter there. That you know, he was our pick from Wisconsin a couple yeah. of years ago. You know, so you have flexibility and you have options. You know, Dieter could beat out Skura at center. Yeah, um, I mean, they had three rookie offensive linemen last year. You know, babies. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these guys were twenty years old. Absolutely. And so I can't wait to see the development uh, there that they have going on. And I, I think all of that stuff you add. The, the development of the offensive line, you add the fact that you go out and get a Will Fuller, you add a Jalen Waddle, you uh, you have the tight end room growing, and all of these things are going to help your young quarterback. And let's talk about a defense who was leading the league in um, scoring defense through almost all of last year up until, you know, we know what happened in the last couple games. Absolutely. You know, last game. you but, talk about these offensive linemen, right, how they're babies and these guys had no training no camp. No training camp. They no had no... Like, that's what's going to be fascinating that... is, you know, I've, I've heard people say that there should be an asterisk on last season, which I think is a stretch. I think that's going way too far. Absolutely. But I think you will see a very big difference from the teams who were mostly rookies or mostly very young players or new players that basically jumped in the throw of it in August, late August, a couple weeks before the season and never really got their feet under them until it was maybe too late. And now you look, I mean, even Tua, for example, you see his guns, like you see his arms, you look at a side-by-side comparison to last year where, you know, he he was injured, he, he couldn't do anything. And now the guy's hit in the gym, he's swole, and that doesn't mean he's going to throw a football in, but you know, any tough, better. But it's tough to analyze 
the previous year's draft, right? Because these guys didn't have a training camp. They didn't have preseason. They were thrown Nothing. into the fire. Nothing. You know, so let them get a training camp in exactly. and preseason and in all these different camps and all the you know they, these guys didn't have rookie camps and you know. They and were, this will be a reflection as well on the coaching staff, absolutely, because you're going to see the guys who were dying all last off season to get their guys in to install their systems to work on development fundament. You think the Raiders have that bad of missed tackles and all those things if those guys are working on fundamentals all offseason? Absolutely. I don't think so. You're right. So, um, yeah, you know, just to end that with the Miami Dolphins, obviously, you know, they've got to be excited for what they see coming down the pipeline. And let's talk about another team that, you know, might be kind of slept on a little bit, the Minnesota Vikings. We talk about Kirk Cousins a lot because last year the Minnesota Vikings had the most efficient offense in football for most of the season. They were getting almost six and a half, seven yards per play every time they touched the ball. We know Dalvin Cook is is a beast, and Kirk Cousins is one of the most accurate passers in NFL history. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Oh my god. So, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have a lot of talent there, but we knew that their biggest, you know, uh, weakness was the defensive back room. We knew that they let all those secondary pieces go the year before, and they were like, ah, we're not going to address it. So this year, you bring in a Patrick Peterson, you start building through the offseason, and then in the draft, you start addressing it as well. Um, They took the cornerback out of Cal, Cameron Bynum, in I think it was the fourth round, um, and they continued to address... You know the the needs at- offensive line, right? So they got a Christian right. Darrisaw from Virginia Tech. Um, you know, great zone blocker. You know, so it was you know a pressing need, and they got good value um, to For get sure. a, to get a Christian Darrisaw there. And they got um, another lineman in Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Absolutely, and they got a good solid linebacker in Chaz Surratt from North Carolina. The pick that was interesting to me was Kellen Mond. Um, yes. You know, that kind of started that second run. On the quarterback. Yes. You know, yeah, I mean, so, it went like quarterback, quarterback, yeah. quarterback, quarterback. You were like, wow. Yeah, it was Texans, Vikings, um, and then, uh, yeah, so Kellamond went, then uh, the quarterback for the Texans went, and, you know, so it's... And then the Saints. Wasn't it the Saints? Kyle Trask? Yes. Think, yeah. Yes. So was, yeah. yeah. So it was that. It was that. Yes. Thank you. So it was that quick run there of, of quarterbacks, and um, you know we know Cousins is getting paid a lot of money, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't get them over that hump in this next year or two, you know the thinking is maybe a Kellerman can come in. And yeah, I mean, kinda... sixty six pick overall is is no slouch. No, you know, that's you know? not like a late fifth, sixth round pick. No, so. and he's got you know he's got an excellent arm, good quick release. You know he's six three to eleven. He's got that. Um, you know, got that good size, got good foot speed, can extend plays. You know, so he's a developmental prospect. Um, you know, who who played two different coaches at Texas A&M, two different systems. You know, so if he can get you know some good ground under him and get into a solid system, you know, he could have an opportunity to be able to challenge yeah, for I mean, a job in year two or in, three. He's in a good quarterback room. You know, the the coaching team that's going to surround him. That they, they will put him in a position to succeed if you know, his his name is called upon. But let's talk about another team that went quarterback. Obviously, most people had this team kind of addressing the quarterback situation, but whether they were going to trade up, trade down, how it was going to all work out, uh, the New England Patriots. Yeah, you would hope so, they would have had to freaking trade up. and, and Yeah, you know, I mean, with, with Mac Jones being floated as potentially number three, had everybody fooled for the longest time. And again, this is one that 
you know, a couple people had slated where Mac Jones would fall. He would land right at 15 for the Patriots, and lo and behold, that's what happened. So the Patriots, you know, fans should be very excited. They hopefully get their quarterback of the future. And the one thing I will say is we know that the ties run deep with Alabama and head coach uh, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. So there's nobody who had better access to a quarterback prospect or better inside information than Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So if they stamp their foot down and say, this is our guy at 15, we have not taken a first-round quarterback, this isn't what we do, but you know what, we're going to do it here because we believe that this is our guy, then you have to believe that they have really great information that leads them to make that decision. So, yeah, so listen, this is what New England did, right? Mm -hmm. You had a quarterback in Mac Jones who he could have went three to San Francisco and everybody, you know, I had him going three to San Francisco um, he could have went top three overall, and you know nobody would have thought twice about it, right? So New England at fifteen, you know, gets their quarterback. They don't have to trade up. They don't have to trade down. Nothing. They stay right at fifteen. They make their pick, right? Then in the second round, they get a Christian Barmore, the number one defensive tackle in the second round. He could have went in the first round again. Nobody would have batted an eye. Then in the third round, they get Ronnie Perkins, the defensive end from yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. He could have also went. Pick. He could have also went late first, early second, and again, nobody would have said a thing. And then you fill your running back room with a Ramaje Stevenson. I mean, this guy's six foot, two hundred thirty-one pounds. He is a big back. Um, you know, so he averaged seven point two yards per carry. You know, so you get yeah, the it. Patriots got a lot better. They did. They really did. And he's a good NFL pass blocker. You know, so with their first four picks, they did very, New very got well. Massively better. Yeah. And you still have Cam Newton there at the helm. So Bill is not going to transition that to Mac Jones until he's no. ready. And, and they got feels. the 237 free agents that they signed and <laughs> amazingly fit all that under the cap, which I. And, and, and it's wild, you know. Keep in mind, so right now, here's the off-season rule, right? Mm -hmm. So only the top 51 contracts count towards your cap mm -hmm. during the off-season. We know that there's a 53-man roster, uh, that the deadline happens before the beginning of the season. But there are teams that are slowly starting to fill out their 90-man roster. So some teams have 84, 86 players. Like they're, almost there, they're getting there. So just keep that in mind that 53 guys make the cut, and there's going to be 90 on these teams, some of them are almost already there now. There are going to be massive, massive cuts. So there are going to be cuts. There are going to be guys that are just camp bodies. We see guys brought in all the time. Ah, let's kick the tires on this. If anything, maybe it gives us somebody else to work out against the twos or whatever it is uh, during the offseason. But then you're going to have your surprise cuts. You're going to have guys that it's like, whoa, nobody really saw that coming. And then those guys will possibly land themselves on other teams. We saw it with the Leonard Fournette last year. We see it with, you know, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a tight end, you know, a defensive back. There's guys that sometimes it's salary cap. Sometimes it's just fit and it's a room, you know, where they say, you know, Miami Dolphins, you were talking about them a minute ago. They've got like 11 wide receivers in their wide receiver room now, and they haven't even filled out their camp roster. Mm -hmm. All those guys aren't like local walk-ons. Those are legit wide receivers who have, established time in the league so that room's going to be cut in half so either you know they're going to try to field some offers for maybe some late round picks for somebody in there before that happens or those guys are going to hit the chopping block yeah so 
it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out. And one of the teams that we've talked about the most as far as salary cap and trying to get under that number and all the massive cuts that are coming and, and have happened already is the New Orleans Saints. And they are another one of those teams that, as you mentioned, took a quarterback. So yeah, they so went we, Ian Book. Yeah, earlier we made a mistake. We we said Kyle Trask. Yeah, went, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Kyle Trask went to Tampa Bay. Yes. Uh, as yes. a heir apparent to Tom Brady. New Orleans took uh, Ian Book in the fourth round. Um, you know, we know about New Orleans, you know, quarterback situation. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plans out. You know, so with their first pick, it was a little bit of a shocker, right? They took Peyton Turner. You know, there's only, uh, you know, two players who kind of had first-round grades out of the AAC on defense, and he was one of them. The other one was David Collins. Mm-hmm. For Peyton Turner, I, you know, this was a little high. Um, you know, he could have fell second, third round, and you know, I think that would have been more um, of where in line we had him. Obviously, you know, New Orleans, you know, saw something in him. Um, you know, 6'6", 268, defensive end out of Houston. Um, you know, New Orleans had a lot of needs uh, in certain areas, uh, a lot of them on defense. They took uh, Pete Warner, the inside linebacker from Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, the only offensive players that the Saints drafted in the entire draft was Ian Book, obviously, in the fourth round, and then they took a wide receiver in the seventh. So Kawan Baker from yeah. South Alabama, yeah. You know, so with Ian Book, um, you know, he's on the smaller side. You know, we talked about him in our quarterback roundup. Uh, six foot two eleven. You know, they got Jamie's Winston there, who I, I would project would be uh, your starter. You know, yeah, your starter. I, I do see him. And how does that affect, you know, I've heard people talk about, we know that when Drew Brees was there and he was healthy, we had Taysom Hill as your, you know, Jack of all trades, he was going to jump in and you never knew what he was going to do in some weird different packages. But the second that he had to become like the starter or the actual backup, then there was talk about, okay, well, we need to keep him on the sideline because if he gets hurt on a end around play and then we don't have him as a backup, do you think that the addition at quarterback here lends it to Taysom Hill, presuming obviously that Jamins is the starter? Does that mean that Taysom Hill can go back into that gadget role? Or do you think that they will protect him, God forbid they need him, and not use him in that role this year? Because that's a, that's a huge weapon for yeah, the Saints. Yeah, so I don't see Ian Book playing into any of this at all. Um, you know, So I, I do see Jamie being the starter, and I do see Taysom kind of being that gadget player. Um, so if God ja- forbid something happens, if anything happens to Jamie's Winston, Taysom Hill is going to be the backup quarterback. I don't see it being Ian Book. I don't see him being anywhere near. Oh, um, and 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 to be fair, like just so I'm clear, like I agree with you. Okay, I believe Taysom's the backup. But what I'm saying is, does it? And may, maybe you're right. Maybe the Ian Book thing doesn't really play into it. But I guess my real question is this: is are you? Are you confident enough in Jameis where you're like, well, he's our starter at least through halfway through the season, so we're not worried if Taysom gets hurt on an end around, like or yeah, a gadget I, play, I, I, or are you like, well, maybe if by week three we have to pull him and put Hill in, you know, should we be protecting him? Like that's the that that's the kind of question that this coaching staff has to wrestle with and figure out how confident. It'll be telling, right? Because if you don't see Taysom Hill 
in those gadget plays in week one, week two. You have your answer, right? You have your answer. Yeah. You know they're not that confident in Jameis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think going into the season, you want to hope that you're confident in him, right? I mean, it wasn't too long ago that he led the league in interceptions. You know, but he has had this... But he did. Let's let's be fair. He did, and it was god-awful. Mm-hmm. But he also threw 30-some-odd touch touchdowns. So he had, you know, 30 interceptions, but at least... You know, Somebody was catching the ball regardless, yeah, right? I mean, he was making completions. Yeah, you know, I mean, his completion percentage team. was like 90%, right? But that's I mean, like uh, Kirk Cousins, the beginning of the season, that was his problem, is he was always completing the ball just sometimes to the other team. So, you know, it was, there was a lot of interceptions, and fortunately, I think, uh, he like, worked through that. I think you talked but. about the cap issues with New Orleans, and, you know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of money paid to Michael Thomas. There's, there's going to be at least another 20 cuts. Yeah, out of New Orleans. You know, like, I'm, like I'm sorry, but it's it's coming. Like, um, I love know, the Saints. They got Alvin Kamara. You know, so you you have a dynamic offense. You know, if the defense can keep it together, but it's going to be who you can keep and like that. Yeah, d- and I mean how that offense re-identifies itself after the loss of Drew Brees will be huge because Drew is not just. Obviously, I don't think we're going out on a limb to say he's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston or, or Taysom Hill. Absolutely, not. but he's also a character leader. For sure, you know he gets in there and he he does his. You he know, fires you yeah, up. Yeah, he he fires them up. He was and, a heart in New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see how they reshape that team, and I think this is a telling year for the Saints of, you know, are they starting to go into a full rebuild? Which I personally, even though I get lots of hate mail believe that they are um, i think it's tough when you have a michael or, thomas and an alvin kamara and you just lose the one quarterback piece you, you would kind of feel you're only a quarterback but, away right but but that you, money you might and then but I'll, that cap space and, and i'll give you another one the atlanta falcons like mm-hmm. you know look at the weapons that they've had for years and you know it just it's 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 not enough and I think that well, they were a fourth quarter away from you know being Super Bowl champions, and, right? And and Drew Brees has gotten to NFC Championship games, but you know when it, was the last time he hosted a, hoisted a Lombardi, and now he's retired, so it's not going to happen again. Yeah, a couple of bad calls also played Absolutely. into that, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, I like, mean, I'll, 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 I'll give you that, um, but but no, know, I see what you're saying. But then it, what happened the next year? Like uh, he didn't know, return, I, yeah, like no, so. No. Um, but the I, money's going to hurt them. Yeah. The money's going to hurt and them bad. Everybody always thinks they're closer than they are. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's the problem is you see teams spend two or three years where they you can tell by their draft that they thought they were one or two pieces away, and they weren't, and that's how you get front offices fired. Absolutely. But you know, let's, let's move on from the Saints, and let's talk about the New York Giants. Um, the New York Giants... You know, didn't have a lot of picks in this draft. I think they only had five picks. Um, they were able to get Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver out of Florida, highly touted. Because they traded down, right? They were at yeah. 11. Yeah, um, so. They traded down with the Bears. Um, you know, so I, I think the Giants actually did well here, right? They got Kadarius Tony, the playmaker from Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, so it gives them a little speed in their offensive room. And then to get in Aziz Ajilari in the second round, you know, they had a first-round grade on him. Yeah. Uh, as an outside linebacker, pass rusher, so they get a little help there. And then in the third round, you pick up an Aaron Robinson from UCF. Um, and then they had a fourth and two six. you know. So they did what they 
Yeah, yeah, and I'm excited to see Joe Judge going into year two. I, I like that rivalry that feels like it's building again between the Eagles and the Giants and the, and the Cowboys. Like, like football is amazing. When, the, when those three, four teams are like at each other's throats, that's when football is really good, and that's when you can justify a Monday night game between the Eagles and the Giants. You know? Yeah, and, you know, so... The Giants, you know, they signed Kenny Galladay. They got Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard there. They also got a tight end in Evan Ingram. Um, you know, if uh, you know, you can get the your running back healthy and get him going. Um, you know, I, I think the Giants could be a sneaky good offense. It's just it all comes down to quarterback play, right? Yeah, which we 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 talked about. You know, I mean, this draft kind of shows you that they're riding with Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones. Um, you know, so that they obviously have, have the confidence in him and, and they're going to roll with it. So talking about another team that's in the same city in the same stadium that obviously feels a way that they do about a quarterback is the New York Jets. You know, they took Zach Wilson out of BYU. And I, that's, I, I think the Jets had a great, oh my great God. We, we talked about this, right? To, to get a lot. Do not sleep on Joe Douglas. Yeah. He was with the Ravens when they won it all. He was with the Eagles when they won it all. He inherited Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. That was not his doing. But now you look what he's putting together. And you just said it. They get Zach Wilson. They get Elijah Moore in the second out of Ole Miss. Elijah then, Barrett Tucker in the first also. Don't sleep they, on that. And they get Michael Carter yeah. from North Carolina. Like, you know, and, and Vera Tucker is a great one as well because they got Makai Becton last year. They're they're starting to build those trenches as well, by, but also still saying, hey, I want my quarterback to have everything he needs to succeed. Let's get him a dynamic running back, a dynamic wide receiver. You know, obviously they made some moves in the offseason as well that's going to help them a lot. So They also had three fives and three sixes, right? And I like what they did. They took three safeties, mm-hmm. and the one in the sixth round – um, Najinin from uh, Florida State. I, I think he's going to be. I, I think he can be a solid pro. Um, you know, they got a, the other safeties were Michael Carter from Duke and Jamie and Sherwood from Auburn. Um, and they got know. three defensive backs. You know, between the fifth and the sixth round. So, you know, they again we talked about it. You love when secondary. there's when there's a theme. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what we want to address the most, and mm-hmm. then we're going to get some sexy picks and players. If you hit on two them. out of those five, you're, you're golden. Yeah, two out of those five in the secondary, you're good. You're absolutely golden. And, you know, we just talked about the NFC East and the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, did they hit it out the park with Landon Dickerson, um, the Alabama center slash guard. I think that was a great pick, yeah. and I think he's going to be sneaky good, right? You start off with Devontae Smith falling to you, the Heisman Trophy winner. Then you get his teammate Landon Dickerson from Alabama. And, He's going to be a center. Who else for the... used to go to Alabama? Jalen Hurts. Yep, absolutely. And who, who else used to go to Alabama? Devonta Smith. Yep. Like we, th- that was the really interesting thing about this draft. Hurts. Di- oh yeah, the, the connections. The, the, the buddy system, you know, yeah. seemed to be to like, uh, to Waddle and, and absolutely we Burrow saw... to uh, to Smith or yeah, to Ch- uh, Chase. Chase. Yeah. So so we talked about that. There was a lot of that, and one of the things that. We've teased for a while, uh, you talked about, was the regional drafting, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about the proximity from Missouri to Kansas City. You mm-hmm. talked about, you know, Tennessee and, you know, Clemson and, and things like that. So, you know, we're going to do a deep dive over the next couple of weeks where we're going to compare all the schools where the players were drafted to each team and compare it to previous drafts because it appears to be evident as you pointed out, you know, almost a year ago, 
that how important regional scouting was going to be and the access to players that you could get where you didn't have to get on a plane and, and go somewhere and, and things like that. Um, Another thing that I like that the Eagles did, even though they have uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, they still got uh, Milton Williams um, from Louisiana Tech. You know, So they mm-hmm. continue to build in those trenches. And then the two other picks, Kenneth Gainwell, the running back from Memphis. Yeah, I know had, you loved him. Yeah, and then you got uh, Tupatola, too, from USC, the defensive tackle in the sixth round. I think he could be good. And again, we talk about that depth, and we talk about the patience that you're able to have. You know, Kenneth Gainwell is going behind Miles Sanders, who mm-hmm. you know helped me win a fantasy championship last year. So holla, um, appreciate it. But Fuck yourself. you know, there's there's a lot of players that are stepping into really good situations where they don't have to be a day one starter. They don't have to be someone who's going to take you know 80, 90 percent of the snaps. They're going to be able to work in. They're going to learn the speed of the NFL, and that obviously will be better for them long term going forward. Um, but let's talk about another team in the same state as the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So obviously everyone talks about the Najee Harris pick. You know, that was something that felt like a Steeler identity type of thing. Let's get back to bruising, running. Um, You know, Steelers fans I know are ecstatic about that. But the pick that I really liked was the Pat Furmerth. You know, and that's how I'm going to say his name every time because, you know, in, in, until I'm, I'm confident in how to say his name, even though I've heard it 25 times, he's just Furmerth to me. Um, they but, also got Quincy Roche, the outside linebacker from uh, Miami. Miami, yeah. You know, he played at Temple, transferred to Miami. Um, you know, him and Jalen Phillips combined to have a, you know. Yeah, they got a couple of edge guys. They got uh, Isaiah Loudermilk from Wisconsin. Um, so, you know, obviously they want people that are going to come up behind your TJ Watts and, you know, the, the other guys there on that line. But um, but I just, I, I love the tight end pick because I remember, you know, Heath, mm-hmm. you know, Heath. like I, I remember he, it was so bad that I remember when he retired, when he, when he wasn't on the team anymore, they had other guys who came in at tight end and they would still scream Heath. You could hear it oh, in yeah. the stadium and you were like, Guys, you know he's not here anymore. But he, but that tight end position was such a force. And they need somebody opposite Eric Ebron, right? Yeah. You know, with um, with Vance McDonald retired, you know they needed to address that room. And you know, with uh, Najee Harris and and Freermuth, you know it seems like you know quintessential Steelers guys. And uh, you know they just it'll be exciting. I hope they get back to Steeler football. I mean, Mike Tomlin has far away always been one of my favorite coaches, and the Steelers organization. You know, I was. Uh, born in in Pennsylvania, and so that was always my kind of you mm-hmm. know secondary team. Heinz Ward, one of my favorite NFL players of all time, uh, him and Troy Palomalu. But you know, hopefully Steelers get back to Steelers football there. And um, you know, talking about you know teams that are trying to refine their identity and, and and get back to you know who they are. The San Francisco 49ers recently in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But obviously, Jimmy has had the issues with the injury concerns and everything. And then Bosa got injured. Kittle got injured. Everybody was... It, it seemed like the whole team was on IR. So San Francisco obviously feels that they're close, right? I mean, yes. you trade all those picks to move up. You have to feel you're close. you got to feel you're close. They felt they were a quarterback away, and they took Trey Lance. Now, see, I'll go one further. Okay. I don't think they think they're a quarterback away. I think... They see a window, and they're respecting the window. So let me tell you what I mean by this. We talk about all the time, like we talk, 
Aaron Rodgers. We said, hey, the Packers aren't respecting the window. They have a guy playing at an elite level situation, and they're, they're not surrounding him with talent. Now, I'm not saying that Jimmy G is Aaron Rodgers. What I'm saying is the team as a whole has a window. You've got a George Kittle. You've got a Nick Bosa. You've got talent. You know, you, you can basically put any running back in the backfield that you want, and you're able to scheme it up and get hella yards, and, and the run game is there. All you need is a quarterback behind center who can, I don't want to say game manage because it, it takes a little bit more than that, but somebody who can control the reins, keep everybody in line, and, and get you to where you need to be. So it's respecting the window of the team. I think they believe that Jimmy G could take them to the Super Bowl this year and they could win it. I truly believe that they believe that. I was questionable about it before the draft and what was going on, but now I actually believe that. But what I also think they think is that sooner or later, all the rest of the talent that you have on that team isn't going to be together anymore. So you will have to cover more sins. You won't be able to rely on your defense and your running game. Like that's not that's not a long game, right? Mm-hmm. That's a short game. When you have an amazing defense and the run game is amazing, like that's a short window where you can just kind of go ham. But after that, you really need to kind of be on par with the rest of the league and be able to throw for three, three hundred fifty yards a game. Well, and, I also and, think one of Jimmy G's biggest issues was he had the third highest interception rate in the NFL. And what does Trey Lance not do? Turn the ball over. Turn the ball over, right? He threw one interception. He's had one interception since, like, the second fucking grade. Yes, one interception, and that was in his last game. Which was stupid. Like, literally, if he didn't play, he played one game, they, 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 oh, it just, Yeah, so, you know, the year before, he had 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. The guy is incredibly smart with the ball. And, you know, they feel that, you know, they can get these turnovers, you know, brought down. You know, a lot of these close games where those interceptions mean a lot, um, you know, they think they have an opportunity. We talked about the running backs, right? So they take Trey yeah, Sermon, Trey Sermon which just seems unfair, right? I mean, you got 37. Third run- round? Yeah, you got 37 running backs there already. They take another one. Um, they get Aaron. And again, we, we talk about the recency bias, right? Like, if he doesn't get hurt, right? Like, it, like he was. He was he was right there. He was in prime time. He was in your face, and then he gets hurt, and he just kind of disappears. Him and Elijah Mitchell. We talked about right. Elijah Mitchell, yep. the running back from Louisiana. I think they got two solid running backs to add to that room. I don't know who they're going to cut or how that's going to work out. You spoke yeah, earlier. Yeah, someone might be trade bait. You know, absolutely, in the room. absolutely. But you know, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what San Francisco does. And then I think next, what, we're at Seattle? Yeah, so Seattle's an interesting one because they only have three picks in the whole fucking draft. Yeah, um, they, they traded for Jamal Adams, right? So right. that's where their first-round picks went. And Seattle wanted to add to their wide receiver room, uh, which I feel is already strong, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's interesting. You've only got three picks. They needed a slot, and, and, and they got it. And you their first one on, yep, uh, Dwayne Eskridge out of, out of Western Michigan. And then they went uh, cornerback and offensive tackle. It seems like the whole Russell Wilson is unhappy stuff has kind of died down. It for looks sure. like at least for the foreseeable future, you know, through this season, Russ is going to be back and he's ready to cook. And I think adding Eskridge to that wide receiver room, that's just nasty. Yeah. 
And the the issue for Seattle is kind of like some of the other teams we talked about. It's 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 not Russell. It's not the offense. I mean, they broke franchise records last year. It mm-hmm. was the defense. Yeah. Especially the pass defense was just falling apart at the seams when they needed them the most. There's no more so, Legion of Boom. Yeah, not even close. So you know they did end up taking a quarter uh, cornerback Trey Brown out of out of Oklahoma, but that's it. Like that's yeah, I don't only, I don't think he's really much of an that's answer. That's the there. only piece through the draft. That was granted, a death pick. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, they only had three picks, but that's it. So I think they're hoping for a lot of those cuts, maybe some of those salary cap casualties and things like that. Some people that they can add add to their team. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the relationship is between Pete and Russ this season because mm-hmm. I love to watch Russ cook. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of the best cooking shows on TV. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can kind of work it out between them, uh, at least if they have enough respect for each other to say, hey, we, st- we still got the core here. We can go make some noise. Let's do this. And uh, hopefully Seattle Seahawks football will be fun to watch this year. But let's talk about a team that was definitely fun to watch for a lot of people unless you were kind of in that – haterade type of category and that is the reigning super bowl champions the tampa bay buccaneers yeah so they're the first team ever right to return all all of their starters yeah you know so every single one so so what did you need (laughs) like you needed bpa yeah right and they felt like they got that with joe tryon with their first pick and i this their second round pick i I think yeah I i love it you know so if you don't know right kyle trask in high school Started as a freshman in high school, right? And then a guy named Derek King came along. And Kyle Trask sat behind Derek King. And Kyle Trask had the opportunity to, you know, transfer to other high schools. And he didn't. He stayed and he stayed and was Derek King's backup. Well, schools started to come to look at Derek King. And they their eyes kept glancing over at their backup quarterback and teams kept asking you know who's that guy like oh that's Kyle Trask you know but well Florida was one of those teams that was looking at Derek King in high school and they found their way over to Kyle Trask and to make a long story short that's how he ended up in Florida and you know now Kyle Trask is a second round pick and Derek King is still at the University of Miami you know so it's a crazy story that's that's why I never go out with like more attractive friends that's why you and I never go out in public because you know, if if someone comes up to talk to me and they see your more attractive friend, well, then you know that just kind of kills it for you. So, you know, unfortunately for De'Ara King, you know, it, it worked out great for Kyle Trask. But I love that pick. I, I do love, too. I love that pick. I mean, he can sit behind Brady for, for a year, years. and you don't know if Brady. You, know, you don't know two how. Years, yeah, three years for like, sure. Like who knows? And it gives him time. Oh my God! And, and you talk about who, who? Where could you, you? You're going to quarterback university for sure. And and again, Tom has no saltiness. It's not like some of these other situations. No, he's, they know. He's won more rings than anybody else. And he he's knows. Ha- and he's happy. And he knows that no one's going to supplant him no. until he like retires. For sure. He, and you don't you think know. Tampa went to him and said, hey, look, yeah. just heads yeah. up. We're going to take this guy. You know, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Brady's idea. For sure. Um, but, you know, but yeah. it, you know, so and then they just filled, just filled their team anybody up, right? Anybody they wanted. Yeah, you got another offensive tackle. I, they literally didn't seem to take the same position twice, right? You got an offensive tackle, a wide, wide receiver, receiver, a linebacker, a, a corner. Yeah, so you like, just you fill in all these different spots, and you kind of see who sticks, and that's what the great you know thing is when you have all twenty-two starters. You know, you can just kind of bounce around, take what you think you might need, like Joe Tyron. You know, he's going to be a good rotational player as a rookie. He will eventually become a starter, obviously, if he 
well, all works sure. out. But yeah, you know. So and then you know, speaking speaking of teams that did have needs, uh, the Tennessee Titans. So we talked about last year. They were really hoping that Jadavian Clowney was going to give them some sort of substance on that defensive line. It did not work out that way. They couldn't get hands on quarterbacks. They had one of the worst rates in the NFL as far as getting to the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback. Um, it, it was just not great, which was sad because we know that uh, Derrick Henry was the 2K king. We know that you know Tannehill was balling. We know that the offense was clicking on, on all cylinders, but the defense really kind of let them down. So I was interested to see where they were going to go with their first few picks this year and if they were going to address that. Now, they went after Caleb Farley, uh, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech in the first round. And if he stays healthy, that's, yeah, like that's, that's a steal. That's the, that's the kind of knife's edge right there is people were worried about the injury concern. Um, otherwise, he was actually rated much, much higher in the draft. But obviously, that's, you know, when someone falls to you at 22 and, and you have a huge need there. And, and then they got a Dylan Redunds, the offense tackle from North Dakota State. And my favorite, one of my favorite picks, Elijah Molden, the cornerback yeah, from Washington. He again, could play all over the place. Right. So that, that's what they needed, right? And I, I like that they went edge as well. So they got Rashad Weaver out of pit. Um, great value there also. Yeah, great value there. And, and you know, we'll see if these guys kind of, you know, when you don't have, you know, eight, nine picks like the Jaguars or, or somebody else. you got to hit on you these. you got to hit. Yeah. you got to hit on these guys. And you really got to get that defense back together. Because, again, we talked about respecting the window. Well, now you, the window already cracked a little bit. And you let two of your best offensive players out of the building. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Jonu Smith is gone. Obviously... Um, Corey Davis yep. is, is gone. So New York they, Jet now. Yeah, so they still have A.J. Brown, but they, they just lost a lot of that relationship that Tannehill built with those offensive uh, playmakers. So we'll see. I, I know that you know they, they've made a few moves and, and addressed it a little bit, but you know mainly the defense has, has kind of been their issue. So we'll see how it works out for Tennessee. And last but definitely not least... The Washington football team, which currently that is st- still their name or not their name. or their Yeah, so team we talked about Washington, right, being a potential quarterback landing spot. And, you know, I guess at 19, um, you know, they felt, you know, moving up was a little too rich. You know, Washington has, you know, solid pieces. And what it seems like they're doing is, you know, they're building their team until the quarterback situation finds its way. Yeah, and I mean, I, I will say Fitzpatrick had to be like uh, Brian Drew on draft night. You know, oh, for just sure. Just being like, yes, you know, no, no quarterback taken. And I think and, Washington can be sneaky good. I yes. mean, that defense is nasty. Oh, God, their pass defense was among the elite this year, all year. And you added Jamin Javis to you it. look at the instability that they had on offense, you know, at the quarterback mm-hmm. position, and you add Ryan Fitzpatrick, which regardless of, of what you think of him, he's he can hold down the fort. Like, you know, even if you're worried he's going to be a little bit too gunslinger with how good that defense is. You can is, get it done, we yeah. Talked, yeah, we talked about respecting the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about Antonio Gibson, you talk about Terry McLaurin, you talk about Logan uh, you d- you talk about the some of the weapons, that and you add a Diami Brown, the speedster from North Carolina, and to it. Samuel, you know. Yeah. So it's like I I think they you're I, I agree with you. They are going to be sneaky good. And you know, for me, of course, one of the picks that I love is just another long snapper. So they went ahead and got uh, Cameron Cheeseman 
which is a great name as well, out of Michigan. So I, I love the long snapper picks. So shout out to them on that. And I think that, they got a great offensive tackle too, and Samuel Cosme from Texas. And then you got yeah, the cornerback from Minnesota, Sam Justy. Yeah. Yep. So um, they're going to be interesting to watch, and it'll be interesting to watch to see if they ever get an, an official name. Um, eventually, I, I know the real issue is copyright. They're officially the Washington football team. Yeah, for now. Um, but somebody's about to get paid. Somebody's about to to sell the Red Wolves or, or whatever it is. You know, the Red Wolves. Well, wow. there's a, there's a guy who has like he he registered like twenty different names that he thought they might use, and now they're in a copyright battle because nobody had the foresight to think about that. Um, but that's a that's a topic for another show. Anyways, um, we really enjoy the fact that you guys join us, and uh, we're going to do a lot more of these Twitter live spaces. It's something that's been a lot of fun. It's a little bit hard to kind of record them because it's you're only able to do it through your phone right now on Twitter. You're not able to do it on desktop, and I am able to kind of you know rig it a little bit. Uh, the the recording quality isn't possibly what I would like it to be long term. But uh, we'll, we'll try to get some of those recorded and get them out there for you. But if you tr- turn on our notifications on Twitter, you'll definitely get alerted whenever we go live. We've had some great spaces with uh, Antoine Staley and Jason Sarney. And Travis Wingfield has been great enough to join us as well on a bunch of those. Um, so keep an eye on, on our Twitter page at RegulatorsPod for all kinds of great content. Always check out the website, RegulatorsPod.com. And uh, J-Man, you know, parting thoughts about the draft, about the upcoming season. It's just, it'll be interesting, right? Three, four years from now when we actually do draft grades, right? Draft grades right now mean nothing. You know, so it's years two, three, and four, you know, where we're going to really find out how this draft shakes out. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We're going to know who actually won, who actually lost. Yeah, because then it's objective. Mm -hmm. Then you can say, okay, you had these seven picks these three were gone after a year and a half or two seasons, you know, never did anything. These two became all pro caliber, et cetera. And then you can kind of stack those things up. For sure. Other than that, you know, the fact that you're, you're, grading, you're grading imaginary, you know, production that hasn't happened, you know, always yeah. reminds me of Bill Parcells, one of my favorite quotes ever. And he says, they said he had a lot of potential. You know what potential means? It means he ain't done nothing yet. Yep. Like that's... Absolutely. Nothing truer than that, especially in the NFL. So, always appreciate you joining me here. Thanks Um, for having me. You know, guys, thank you very much. I I can't tell you how humbled I am to just, you know, get your messages, your DMs. I try to keep up with them as as much as possible, your emails, different things, the ratings that you guys are uh, listing on iTunes. Whenever you guys give us five stars, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. That obviously helps us helps us get bigger reach and then we get more opportunity for sponsors and then they give us money we buy things with that money and then give it to you guys so share it with your friends you know post a link on facebook twitter whatever it is we we definitely really appreciate it and you know we're going to give it right back to you guys so thank you for listening as always i'm waldo for j man we'll catch you next time have a good week guys peace Later!